Hello and welcome to Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, or the arts and humanities, and ask them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Ginter is our producer engineer, and I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the college and the originator and host of Tops 10. Today I have with me Jody Arrington. Jody is the Republican nominee for Texas Congressional District 19, Lubbock. And you'll tell us what covers. It's one of the largest districts, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, you, Abilene, right? Where we, you go down to uh, Abilene. We go to Abilene. Uh, it's 29 counties. Right. And um, Abilene and Lubbock are the population centers, Lubbock being the largest. Abilene has some Texas Tech campuses, has Dias Air Force Base, and they're uh, uh, the second largest. And then you've got all the way out to Young County on the eastern part of the district, and that's Graham, Texas, and Albany, Texas, and Hamlin, and Haskell. Then you come all the way to the New Mexican border, and you've got communities like Denver City, Seminole, Farwell, Friona, etc. So anyway, that's a big district, a lot of ground to cover, but this is not just the breadbasket of Texas in America. This is the backbone of Texas. This is far. Is that the largest congressional district? It is the uh, one of the largest. I don't believe it is the largest. Now the Senate district. I'm talking about the state Senate. Yeah. It's 52 counties. That was the first race I ever ran. Now that's the largest district in. Uh, the state of Texas, probably, it could be the largest in the country, and that's uh, that's my friend uh, Charles Perry. Arrington served as a White House advisor to President George W. Bush and chief of staff to the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. In 2006, he returned to his alma mater as chief of staff and vice chancellor as Texas Tech University's system. He currently works in the private sector as president of Scott Laboratories, a healthcare innovation company. Arrington has served in numerous businesses, civic, and faith-based leadership roles within his community. He resides in Lubbock with his wife, Anne, and their three children. So you started in Plainview. Like, yes. Did you go Plainview High? And... Public schools, Plainview Independent School District all the way. Plainview Bulldogs go fight win. Home of Jimmy Dean, the Sausage King, our most famous uh, Plainviewing. Uh, but yeah, I grew up just up the road here. And uh, my parents both went to Tech. That's where they met. Dad played basketball at Texas Tech back in the 50s. So we're, we're West Texas all the way. And Plainview was a great place to, to grow up. I'm still relatively new to West Texas. I, this is my fourth year in the middle of here, and I really like West Texas in many ways. I li- especially like the the people. I always say that I found people around the country are generally friendly, but in West Texas, people are helpful. <laughs> and there's a difference, <laughs> you know. There's people like people, somebody will wave to you as you're as you're struggling to fix your lawnmower, and people who will you know grab their toolbox and walk over and say, "Can I help you out?" That's you know? great. I like and, that. And uh, that really, and I've lived about seven or eight other places, and that seems to make a difference. Where do you think that comes from, the the willingness to actually use some sweat equity and help your neighbor and not just you know wave and say, how you doing? I think the, it comes from the first settlers of West Texas. I think, first of all, anyone that would come out here to this, what was just a big flat dirt patch and have a vision 
for a community like By Lubbock. By the way, was that, was that the selling point, like, you know, the, the, when they were selling the land, like big flat, you know, red dirt, dirt pat- patch? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, somehow you know, I think they were lured, but were, were, were they like headed to California and like and their they, wagon broke down or something? <laughs> you I, know, no, I'll tell you what it does. It weeds out the people. It's kind of like somebody that buys a home. My wife is good at this. She has a vision for what it could be, not for what it is. Somebody like me, I may have to buy the house just like I want it because maybe I don't have as much vision. The people who came out here had a vision of fields white with cotton. And they had a vision in the recent times of wind turbines that would produce more wind energy than the entire state of California, which comes out of this district. Which is not well known. I mean, no, one of the things I'd, I'd like to talk about, I, I love everything about West Texas, but there is a sort of, ah, shucks, you know, don't yes. want to call attention to That's myself. Right. Very humble. Attitude. Yeah. Uh, and you can be, you know, you can calibrate too humble sometimes. <laughs> and when I tell people outside, like just just something simple like Paladuro and, and Caprock, and I've never met anybody from outside West Texas who knows that we have the second largest canyon system. And, yes. you know, just a wonderful vistas and you go, go there. It's just, it just unknown. I'm looking like, really? There's no, I mean, nobody just... You know, tries to put us on the map for any reason. And as somebody who, who teaches a political communication, <laughs> uh, please comment on this. You were born in Plainview. Now, they couldn't have, like, named it, like, you know, Green Beautiful or yes. Athens or something. You know. Brownsville, Plainview. Littlefield, w- 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 Hale Center. Like, we, like, what names can we pick? To not call attention to ourselves. Uh, clearly, the ethos of West Texas from its conception was all shucks. Part of that is we don't want to we don't want to let out the secret that this is really the best place in the world to live. The weather's great. As you said, the people aren't just friendly, they're helpful. And it's like the motto of Texas Tech, from here it's possible. I mean, people probably don't think of West when they think of West Texas, there are some things that come to mind, like dirt storms, etc. Some things don't come to mind. Uh, maybe people think that there's a very monolithic culture out here. What they might not know is the first African American man in space was a Texas Tech graduate. What they probably don't think about or know is that the first Hispanic member of a presidential cabinet and former president of Texas Tech uh, came from this region and a Texas Tech grad. So they don't think that uh, about the fact that Terry County, which is uh, our neighbor from Lubbock County and in this district, grows more grapes than all the counties, 253 other counties combined. And if you're drinking wine in the new sort of Napa Valley, which is Fredericksburg area, they're probably grapes that are grown in Terry County. So there are a lot of things. Uh, the largest contiguous cotton patch is right here, a 100-mile radius of Lubbock. The largest oil basin is in the Midland-Odessa area. We truly are, and I, this is why I'm so passionate about representing West Texas, is what we do here is not just important to our economy. What we do here fuels the American economy. And it feeds and clothes the American people. I don't know of something more significant, more meaningful in its contribution any region greater than West Texas. So I get to be the champion and cheerleader for this great region and for a place I call home, and I'm awfully proud of that. And it, it is a very difficult time, no matter how much you, know, you, you love your own district, it's a very difficult time to be a political leader. <laughs> yes, uh, there's a lot, so many challenges. When you were growing up, was there a soundtrack in your home? A lot of the people I've interviewed have said 
that the first encounter with music was like their mother singing in the kitchen, church music. When did, were you first aware that like you, there was music and you had a taste for a particular kind of music? We were influenced at an early age by my mother's love for the music of Willie Nelson. And, and now uh, that's not usually a mother's love. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, your mother was sort of <laughs> offbeat there. You know. She was uh, kind of, a, I think, a closet hippie, you know, kind of a country hippie. And um, no, she loved Willie Nelson, got to see him in Vegas. And yeah, we listened to The Red-Headed Stranger, which is, to this day, is comfort music for me. But Blue Eyes, Crying in the Rain, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. That's one of my favorite uh, Willie Nelson songs. So what do they say? Growing up Kardashian? I, I I, I was growing up with Willie. And, That's a great uh, reality show. Yeah, concept. yeah. I, that may explain a lot of my dysfunctions and why I would even venture to go to Washington to, to make a difference. Maybe it's that Willie Nelson, the poems of Willie still resonate in my soul. Well, one of the songs you listed is Willie Nelson, My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys. Did you spend any time on a ranch? You know, I grew up with farmers and ranchers, and my dad was a, a tractor salesman. And um, certainly, and we have a ranch in uh, the hill country. So I grew up going in the summers to a little place called Hunt, Texas, and we rode horses. My grandfather raised cattle and raced horses. So I was around it. You know, I was, I I don't consider myself a a farmer or rancher, but it is part of my, my heritage. And um, I think when you grow up in West Texas or Texas, uh, there are very few degrees of separation between you and farmers and ranchers and farming and ranching. And uh, so, so, you know, Willie being a Texan and speaking about uh, cowboys, you know, that's, uh, that's something that I think every Texas kid can identify with. Even though I don't, you know, I do have a cowboy hat. I'm wearing cowboy boots today and a cowboy buckle and everything. It's cowboy is is, is really. And I was really impressed by the horse you rode in on too. Yeah, what's, <laughs> how what's long name? do you think they'll let me tie that the sucker up outside? Oh no, we we, we gotta get a special special hay hey, bill for you. She'll be out fine out there. We got some more. I did that because I've I've had so many tickets every time I come to campus that I thought I'd just bring my horse. I wonder. Today. I wonder whether they would ticket a horse. We'll track that down. I mean, I've never. I have seen a horse on campus, but for for an event. But I I, I don't know if it, I I think that probably in the early days of Texas Tech in the twenties. Oh sure. I wouldn't be surprised if people rode their horse to, to campus. I wouldn't either. Um, but, you know, you I bet you some of your friends from, from back east would still probably envision us riding horses and that having a pump jack in our backyards and and all that but you know it's a it being cowboy is a, is a spiritual thing i mean it's it's being rugged and tough and independent it's being strong but also compassionate it's loving animals it's it's being people of the sort of salt of the earth so in that respect i think anybody that's grown up out here has a part of them that is a cowboy and willie nelson top of my list i grew up dreaming being a cowboy and loving the cowboy ways pursuing the life of my high riding heroes I burned up my childhood days I learned all the rules of a modern day drifter 
Don't you hold on to nothing too long Just take what you need From the ladies that leave them With the words of a sad country song My heroes have always been cowboys And they still are, it seems Sadly in search of One step and back of Themselves And their slow-moving dreams Cowboys are special With their own brand of misery From being alone Too long To die the arms of a nightmare Knowing well That your best days are gone Picking up hookers Instead of my pen I let the words of my youth Fade away Old worn out saddles And old worn out memories But no one no place to stay My heroes have always been cowboys And they still are, it seems Sadly in search of And one step and back of themselves And their slow-moving dreams Sadly search on and one step and back on themselves and their slow-moving dreams. Jody, your playlist, like everybody else's, has a lot of variation here. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I never get consistency, which is good because human beings are not consistent animals. You know, we, we, we tend yeah. to go off in different directions as we evolve in our life. So you started out at home listening to Willie Nelson. Yes. And, and you're saying, I think you said it very well, that there's, there are values that came with that, including independence matched with helping your neighbor. Yes. You know, independence didn't mean like everybody for themselves That's right. and just grab what you can. It was that you didn't ask unless you really needed, yes. but you gave even if you weren't necessarily asked. Is that That's a very well said. I couldn't couldn't add anything to that. Well, I'll be running for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't ever run I, I'm the me. most unelectable person you've ever been. Put a cowboy hat and cowboy boots on you, and I think I could run you. I have a very, very good pair of uh, cowboy boots that I decided to get. With, as one of our alumni advised me to get the full Cayman. So I have a came, some oh, Cayman man. boots. They're, they're you didn't mess boots. around. Yeah. We do need more cowboy boots because if you have cowboy values, like hard work and family and love thy neighbor and, and all the things we've been talking about, you know, our country would be better off. And I think we could answer the question that Donald Trump seems to ask rhetorically about how we make America great again. More cowboy boots, more cowboys, more cowboy values. And there you have it. You are the Republican nominee. Yes. There is no registered Democrat. Democratic That's candidate. That's right. In the general. Uh, but there is a Green Party candidate and there's a Libertarian candidate. But yes. as you were saying before we started, we're a heavily Republican district. So traditionally, the Republican candidate 
has, has done well. Are you engaging in, 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 you're probably not doing as many campaign, because I follow you on Facebook uh-huh. and you're definitely not doing as many campaign events as you did in, in the primary. Yes. What's going on in your campaign? Right? I mean, how are you campaigning in a situation like this? Uh, we're taking advantage of the fact that we don't have a heavily competitive race where most of my colleagues are they're in a clash right now, and some are fighting for their political lives. While I get to take a deep breath, go back through the district and thank people. You know, mm-hmm. we are in West Texas. We like to thank people who help us. I've had to raise some money because we spent a little over $800,000 and had a little debt coming out of the uh, runoff. My opponent spent over $2 million, so it was a very expensive race. You were heavily outspent. In, heavily in outspent. By your uh, leading opponent yes. there. And there were, there, were three, there were two other strong candidates yes. in yes. the race. Yes, former One of mayor. One of them uh, did spend a lot of his own money on uh, the race. And, yes, know. and I will tell you, it takes a lot of money to run and win yeah. and be successful. But for those who are thinking about future in politics or running for office, there's nothing like grassroots organization. Having people, real people, not just putting up commercials, although that's very important and hard to contend with somebody who has the money to go on TV for months. But you having a nucleus of supporters in every community that are telling their friends and family and neighbors, uh, that's a, it's a powerful force to contend with. And that's where I think we had the advantage. And I think ultimately that's what helped us win. Looking at your music again, um, you are covering a lot of ground here. You're, the next song you listed was Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Broken Hearted Savior. Oh, man. These guys are out of Colorado and uh, was one of the first uh, concerts, one of the few concerts I've actually been to. And I've actually seen them twice. I saw them here in Lubbock and saw them in Austin. Great band, kind of a bluesy rock and roll, lots of soul to Big Head Todd. There's a lot of snow and spring and I can't remember the last time that I seen her. I was still cold and wet and I can't forget the way I had to leave her. Next song, this is going in another direction now, and I've always been sort of interested in campaign music. Yes. And, and a lot of campaigns will pick like a signature theme song. Uh-huh. Did you have a, when when your rally started, did you have a particular song that you played? You know, I always wanted to have one, and I didn't have one. And uh, we played music. Um, there was a, there was a, uh, it didn't have, it was just an instrumental, and it had, uh, it was kind of a bluegrass country sound, and we, we put that 
same music to our videos. So if you go on our website at jodyarrington.com or our Facebook, um, you can look at those videos. You'll hear the same sort of country bluegrass sound. And it, it's just a down-home, folksy, we're in the heartbeat of America, you know, families, front porch conversations, that kind of deal. And So, so it was not your next song, which is Def Leppard Photograph. <laughs> so was that, a, was that a hard decision to, you know, sometimes uh, one of the good ways to test people around you to see because i run a i guess you could call it a medium-sized concern i won't call it a business but you know we've we have 91 full-time people who work for the college yeah. plus lots of students and and parents and all, all everyone connected and like all managers i worry about what i don't know like you know what has somebody not told me or you know oh, what, yeah. what what somebody hasn't brought up and so i try very hard to encourage people you know please if you think something's going wrong or something needs attention please please let me know um, I've never actually done it, but I read somewhere once that one way to test whether people are just saying what you want to hear is to yeah. propose something ridiculous and see whether they just agree <laughs> with you or not. And so one way to test your campaign staff that when you go back is say, look, I've decided the Def Leppard photograph is going to be our theme song. If everybody agrees with you, then you know you got to work with them to be a little bit more forthcoming. Well, you know, I'm going to take that challenge, and I'm going to ask your listeners to go check out our – by the time they hear this yeah. – I will have found a way to put a picture of this interview with Def Leppard in the background and to uh, to take that challenge because I want people to know I'm I'm a courageous leader. We can leader. Photoshop, not, you know, we, this is the College Media Game Communication. We can Photoshop you into the Def Leppard band, you know, <laughs> playing bass. Well, whatever. you know what? It wouldn't be a far cry from what I look like in high school because I had a mullet in high school. Do you know what a mullet yes, is? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. It's a historical uh, artifact, but you need to describe it to our readers. Well, and, and mine wasn't just an, any ordinary mullet where you had the, this uh, is a as, full they, 19th as they century say, business in the front oh. Party in the back. Oh my God! Yeah, well, very short, so clean David cut. Spade, uh, uh, well, well, far worse, yeah. far worse. Yes, it may be kind of a Joe Dirt type yeah, look. Yeah. That was is really the mullet in, in its full glory. But uh, yeah, I didn't just have the long hair in the back and the short in the front. I actually had. I had a permed mullet. Wow. That is, it was curly in the back. You know, where you know, when if you this put stuff your had come out on, in the primary, Jody, I'm not sure. Listen, I'm you know, in a honestly. general election right now. I know okay. exactly where I am, and I know exactly my audience, and that's why I'm bringing the mullet out. See, now. you're you're the most forthcoming, honest politician I've ever met. That that now, do the pictures exist of you in this permed mullet? Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, they do, and they and my uh, younger brother, who I picked on a lot. You can't imagine what he's been able to uh, extract from me on account of those photos. So in high school, you started listening to Def Leppard. Pyromania. Guess. That's right. One now, of the best did, did your of all time. did your Willie Nelson mother? By the way, we say your father's taste in music was was uh, gospel, gospel. Uh, not okay. uh, the gospel. So Def Leppard was a was an unusual introduction to the family. It did not go over well with dad. I know he felt like he was losing his son to a satanic yeah. cult of some yeah. sort, especially when he when he found the cover of Van Halen album, which I don't really like either. The cover's just not in good taste, but I like the music. I didn't care much for the cover. I wasn't. I didn't buy the album to stare at the cover. But you know, I guess as a parent now, I, I want to know what my kids are listening to. I think kids are influenced by video games, music, movies, TV. I think it's any response 
responsible parent should be engaged enough to know what they're listening to. But when I look back, the 80s and a lot of the music then was really pretty benign. The one I have listed of Def, from Def Leppard is Photograph. It's just a, a song about a pretty girl that he had an interest in. next song going in yet another direction Hal Ketchum Small Town Saturday Night was that more acceptable to the parents that, that, that's sort of bordering Willie there right it, well it, anything country just seemed to be more acceptable so Hal Ketchum Small Town Saturday Night that is a sort of portrait song of I won't say stereotypical but sort of the template of what are the benefits and some of the challenges of living in, in a small town now yeah. you're, you're growing up in Plainview what does somebody who grows up in a small town take with them to a larger career in all seriousness the values of a small town are the values that made America an exceptional country I really believe that it is the value of family of faith of hard work personal responsibility freedom loving thy neighbor as i mentioned before there's just a a real community spirit and a and a real sense of of ownership and having skin in the game of your community and your neighborhood and this sort of um, strong and independent sense that you know we as you said, we help each other, but we don't necessarily look to the government to solve all, all of our problems. We think the government exists to keep us safe and keep us free. And beyond that, we think we're doing just fine out here in our communities, where we think you can do the best and have the most impact on, on people's lives. Those who are struggling, those who have lost a job, all these social programs are well-intended. I really believe that most most of them are well-intended and from well-intentioned people. I just don't think universal programs in a distant land called Washington, D.C. are the answers to solving them. I think that the local people and the states are the best places. They're the laboratories of innovation. Not every state or every community is the same. So one size fits all doesn't work. And letting states and communities have the freedom to work together to solve problems actually brings forth some of the most creative solutions. And that's a philosophical view of the world that I have as as a conservative. But West Texas and small towns uh, shape that. So the value of friendship and relationships. You know, in Washington today, one of the biggest problems with our hyper-partisan broken dysfunctional culture is people don't talk to each other anymore they don't have lunch they don't take their kids together and go to the skating rink especially the people of different parties there's an elvis movie on the marquee sign 
I'm guessing again that this is not something that your dad whistled as he worked. Eminem, Lose Yourself. The clean oh, version. You actually put in parentheses here, the clean version. Well, that's... But, you, you know, know, we're hard-hitting. We're college radio. We can play the non-clean version, oh, right? Or, man, no, you do that, you're, and you're, I'm... Yeah, we, we've got to have the under 18... Not safe for work. Not safe for, for work. But I'll tell you, it's a powerful song. And it's one about taking advantage of the opportunity. It's about passion and desire uh, for what you love, but also battling the challenges of starting something that you're passionate and that you love. It's like me running for office. I wanted to serve since I was 16 and was drinking the Kool-Aid from Ronald Reagan. I really believed I could make a difference and that I could make a difference for West Texas and for our country. That's what drove me to run for office. I mean, we were really happy here in my home of West Texas. I've got three young children. It is very disruptive to our life. But as I climbed into the ring, because I've always been in the business, so to speak, or have for many years, but being ringside is very different to be the candidate and then to be a staff person, even if you're chief of staff. So I can relate to um, the nerves and, and the anxiety and the 
pressures and the stress of am I going to be able to get to that goal? Will I be successful? And then at some point you lose yourself. You lose yourself and you're just caught up in that moment and you let your natural gifts and talents and the training that you've had take over. And that's when it becomes a lot of fun. And that's when you're at your best. Spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how everybody's choking now. The clocks run out, time's up, over, plow. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. He choke, he's so mad, but he won't give up. Daddy's he know he won't have it. He knows his whole back's to these ropes. It don't matter. He's he knows that, but he's broke. He's so stagnant, he knows when he goes back to this mobile home, that's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rap city better go capture this moment and hope it don't do better. Your next song, very, very popular group, Coldplay, Speed of Sound. Yeah, it's uh, Coldplay is really very ballad-like, you know. It's kind of the soft side, I guess, of me. If you were talking about Willie Nelson and the hard rock and roll of Def Leppard, now I'm, now I'm just cruising along, you know, in my car on the open road. I got Coldplay turned up, and I'm, as we say, just chilling. Because you're, you're driving long distance. Have you ever timed it, like, from one end to your district? To, to, no, uh, I should. I, I really yeah. should. It's, so the, the most, I guess it, south to north, is is, is that, that the longest? Uh, east to west. East to west. west, yeah. So you'd start out at the New Mexico border, yes. and you'd drive east. What would be the last town before uh, you enter somebody else? Breckenridge. Breckenridge, well, you okay. just You just catch a little sliver of Breckenridge. So it's um, 29 counties. Yeah. I mean, I've... So I've, music must matter a lot to you in the car there. It helps me with my sanity. So I'm not constantly thinking about all the problems facing our country. I would get out of the truck very depressed. Yeah. 
Next song is Jars of Clay, Worlds Apart. Well, it's a very powerful and very spiritually deep song. And uh, so I, I'm a Christian, and I listen also to contemporary Christian music. I listen to all kinds of Christian music, but this is a contemporary Christian group, Jars of Clay, one of my favorite groups. And it, it just talks about the deconstruction of one's life. And that sounds very negative, but it's in a positive way so that you will realize what's really important in life. And those things that we think are important, even things that are necessary, are not necessarily the most important things. And so our relationship with God, our relationship with our families, our relationship with our friends, and how we honor all of those relationships and how we pass that ethic on to our children is is a lot about what these guys, Jars of Clay, sing in the world's apart is um, is just that. It is it is that process that that God does in our life to strip us of the things that aren't necessarily bad, but if we make them the thing, they are bad because it's a distraction to what something so much better is. How it all ends up the same Soaring on the wings of selfish pride Flew too high And like Icarus I collide With a world I try so hard to leave behind To rid myself of all but love Give and die To turn away and not become Another nail to pierce the skin of one who loved More deeply than the oceans More abundant than the tears Of a world embracing every heartache Can I be the one Do you think you will focus as a Congress person? Well, I think you said the answer in, in your remarks with the word keyword being focus. I think in my experience in other leadership roles, whether I was vice chancellor at Tech or in my current role as president of Scott Laboratories, if you try to do too many things, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. So it's being focused on the few things that are most important and just driving hard and making sure you've got everybody rowing in that direction from your staff and your team to winning the hearts and minds of those around you to 
uh, believe that in fact those are important things and and building gr- a broader coalition of support for them so if you can pick the few things focus on them and have a clear and defined and measurable goal i think uh, that's how you accomplish things in the midst of uh, lots of distractions and the other thing is you have to have a good team and if you have a good team these things that could distract you from those few things that you think are most important just because those are the most important to you doesn't mean that they're the most important to somebody who's dealing with a crisis right then and there so you have to have a team that you trust talented enough certainly capable enough trained enough but that you trust who can engage people and help them without it being a distraction from the bigger picture. Your next song, and you can tell me whether it actually speaks to this subject, The Killers, All These Things That I've Done. Now, this was not, however, a song about being a congressperson, right? Yeah, you know, it's not. It's uh, But the, the Killers just make great music. I like a lot of their songs. This one, this one has a, a spiritual element for me. I don't know that they intend it to be that way but i uh there's some words in there that really speak to my to my soul and you know they're just certain songs and books and poems that do that for people and i don't know that you can explain all of them this is one of those that touches my soul in a very spiritual way
not soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. Your next song is Switchfoot. Yes. Uh, which a band I had never heard of until I came to Texas, but I've, I think two or three people we've interviewed have had a Switchfoot right? song. Yeah. Meant to Live. There's a verse in the song that says, uh, or a line that says, you know, we were meant to live for so much more, but we lost ourselves. And I think that, again, from a spiritual perspective and from my sort of biblical worldview, most people understand sort of the basic theological point of people who are Christian that they see the world as a fallen world, the original sin, and how sort of the whole Adam and Eve thing, and how that has in in, fa- in fact infected all of humanity, and that we have a nature that that is bent to being selfish, to coveting what our neighbor has, to greed to pride, <laughs> quite frankly, a lot of things we see in Washington, unfortunately, and from leaders, and which is unfortunate, because those are not the good qualities that we're looking for in our leaders. But it exists in all of us, because we're just human, and we, we're flesh and bones, and so we carry this. But there was a time when there wasn't that sin and corruption in the garden with Adam and Eve. And in a sense, as a Christian, I believe that that's what our relationship with God is restoring. So. My relationship with God represents restoring that which was lost in the fall, that which was lost when I was born into this sinful nature, and that recovery is recovering life that is truly life, or or as Jesus said, I came that you might have a life and life abundantly. Fumbling his confidence and wondering why the world is past him
think that from the point of view of a 2B legislator, that the role of government and colleges needs to be fixed because what you'll hear from me is that there is an immense amount of federal, state, local regulation mm-hmm. that we have to deal with. A lot of people are sort of surprised at the growth in administrative costs at yes. colleges, yes. but all the laws, regulations that we have to deal with, which, we, which honestly didn't exist 30 or 40 years ago. Now, each of them individually is a good idea. In fact, if you, you, you listed all of them, you'd say, well, that sounds okay. You know, you should have this, you should have this. But then cumulatively, we spend a lot of time complying with federal regulation. Is there any hope there, or, or, or are we just going to continue with lots of great, great again, great individual ideas that, that I would sound like a bad guy if I said I was opposed to this one piece of legislation, yes. which was a great idea, yes. but times 97. Yeah, you're being very conservative with that multiplier. And yes, look, the road to bad places like we find ourselves in as a country are paved with good intentions. I think most people that were in the legislative seats or in the regulatory seats actually writing the rules or promulgating the regulations like at the Department of Education when laws were passed. They probably thought it was a good idea, but the cumulative effect and the wave upon wave every time you turn around there's a new requirement is just choking our economy. Dodd-Frank is doing this to community banks. The cost is being passed on to the customer, to the consumer. It's actually more onerous to take out a home loan, but they were supposed to protect the consumers. We live in a regulatory state now. We have created, and it's unfortunate because it's the greatest economy in the history of humanity. I mean, it sadly enough, relative to the rest of the world, we're still, and I don't know how, at 2%, GDP annually, you can still be the envy of the world. But the reason we were so prosperous and that we contributed so much to the world in innovation and education and new technologies and and whatever, the social science, physical sciences, life sciences, is because we empowered people. We, you know, I, I say a lot on the campaign trail that that the reason this great experiment called America, the great design and liberty and self-government worked is because the prevailing philosophy when they wrote the Constitution was a limited role for the federal government. And if they limited the federal government in the lives of people, they would unleash the limitless potential of the American people, whether that's teachers teaching, doctors healing, banks extending credit to small businesses, farmers working in the land. Nobody argues that there ought to be some basic rules of the marketplace and that there shouldn't be accountability for an institution that receives federal funds. But all of this red tape, the cumulative effect, is actually driving a wedge between the healer and the patient, the teacher and the student, et cetera, et cetera. Whether it's Obamacare or Dodd-Frank, it is anti-American in in its effect. And so we've got to go back to a freer market. Your, your last song, Matt, Matt Kearney, is that correct? correct Matt right? Kearney. Kearney, Kearney, uh-huh. Runaway Car. Matt Kearney is very talented. And he sounds a little bit like um, Coldplay. His first album, he actually had some rap mixed with his singing. And... Um, 
there isn't an album that he had. I, I don't know. He's got a new album out, so I can't speak to the new album, but his previous three were exceptional. And um, he is, his words, uh, lyrics, uh, his music is secular. It's it's in the secular marketplace. But he, too, is a, um, a believer in God, and um, so he writes from that perspective. That speaks to me. Runaway Car, the specific song listed on my top ten list, is about the challenges of of marriage and I guess relationships, but I think he's talking about um, he's talking about a marriage and how it's difficult, especially in the early days, and and trying to make the two one, two different upbringings, maybe two different dreams, certainly two different personalities, certainly common factors, or they wouldn't be together. But it seems like. The things that were common before you got married seem much fewer when you're married. And the things that seem to complement you would use that were opposites that attracted are now repelling and annoying and um, not consistent with what you anticipated and expected life to be. That is the clash of two people trying to become one. And that's what ultimately this song is about and every time matt kearney talks about getting in the car and leaving he just can't go very far before he turns around and comes back because uh, love wins the end of the day you know love covers a multitude of sins as he says in chapter 13 of first corinthians you have faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love and love faileth not and he's talking about, even though it's not the, the um, agape love of God, he's talking about the eros love, the romantic love of a man and woman. He draws on the agape love strength so that love faileth not in that relationship. And, um, boy, it really inspires me. Well, thank you very much, Jody, and I, I hope you have as much bipartisan success in your political career in, in Washington, if that comes to, to pass, as you have the plurality of your, your, your playlist, which has shown a lot of, <laughs> a lot of interest and a lot, a lot of exploring of, of different points of view. So thank you for being with us today, and we're going to leave here listening to Matt Kearney, Kearney yes. uh, singing Runaway Car. Rackham Tech. this 
fight 